me. My grandmother asked me before the scene, she's like, are you changing your number? I said, no, man, I'm not changing my number. And then she called me last night. He's like, Kayvon, I thought you wouldn't change your number. I was like, I didn't know I was changing my number either. So we both surprised. So. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the very first edition of Hey Fightin' Podcast, the official podcast of LSU football. I'm Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics. I'm really excited about today's show. I'm really excited that you're here from the ground floor of this project. To everyone who's already subscribed and rated and reviewed the podcast, helped us get to the top 25 of all sports podcasts in the country before we even had a full episode. Uh, Thank you so much. It just shows the power of uh, LSU fans and, and how passionate you guys are about LSU football. I'm really excited to be doing this show all season. For those who didn't catch the trailer, if this is your first time listening, um, we're just going to take you inside LSU football. All season long, I will uh, I will give you a front row seat to LSU football and the LSU football program, and uh, I'm really excited about doing that. So uh, hopefully we get off to a good start today. Uh, today's show is mostly uh, my sit-down with former LSU running back Jacob Hester. Uh, Jacob's going to be a, a pretty regularly recurring guest on this show. Uh, he's going to come in today and help me preview the start of fall camp. LSU's first practice is on Friday. Right now I'm recording this on Friday afternoon about 2.45. LSU's about to take the field for their very first practice of the season. So me and Jacob met up at Football Ops this morning. We previewed camp. We talked position battles. We talked about some of the things that Coach O talked about at his uh, camp opening press conference yesterday. After that, I'm going to sit down with Lloyd Cushenberry and Kayla Von Chason. So going from uh, a former number 18 to the two new members of the number 18 club. The original plan was to sit down with both of those guys together just to make things a little bit more efficient for uh, those guys as they were getting their photos taken in the New Jerseys and all that stuff. I decided just to go ahead and split them up. Um, so you'll hear uh, Lloyd Cushenberry first and then Caleb on Chase on second. So uh, if, if at any point in the episode, I think me and Jacob talked about it, I, I allude to an interview with those two guys together. I ended up splitting those up just to make it a little bit more efficient. But it was a really good conversation um, because, you know, first of all, getting to talk to three number 18s in one day um, was pretty cool and interesting to get their, their perspectives. Um, Jacob was there from the start of it. These two guys are obviously – the two newest to to earn that honor. But um, the, the other thing that I really enjoyed about it was just getting to, to talk to Lloyd and, and Kayla Vaughn especially. Um, Lloyd is a guy that I've gotten to know pretty well over the last couple of years covering this team. Um, he's been out and about in the media. Kayla Vaughn, you know, he got hurt last year, so he hasn't done a whole lot of media yet. Uh, as a true freshman, they don't really do media here. Um, so to get to sit down and talk with him just for a couple minutes, but it was a good couple minutes. It was fun to uh, to kind of talk to those guys and and uh, and get the inside story on what it was like to get the number eighteen jersey. So um, before we get to the conversations with Jacob and and Lloyd and Calevon, a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, if you haven't yet, uh, and those of you who have, thank you so much. If you haven't yet, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us a rating and a review as well. Um, the rating is really easy. Just tap five stars. Don't even think about it. The review is a little bit harder because you actually have to write something, but you could just like write like Go Tigers or or this is like the greatest podcast I've ever listened to or, or it's got the greatest podcast host that I've ever heard in my life. It, it really, whatever you want to write, um, you can write. It doesn't have to be a paragraph or two paragraphs or anything like that. Just, just short and, and simple is, uh, is, is best. But that helps us kind of climb the rankings. We were in the top 25 yesterday. Let's go ahead and get up uh, even higher than that. Um, it'd just be cool and then help this podcast grow as the season gets started. Um, one last little bit of housekeeping. 
my plan is to try to put out a couple episodes a week um, during fall camp, especially when we get time to sit down with some of these guys and have conversations um, with them. I don't want to commit to a set schedule yet just because there is a lot of adjusting on the fly and working around these guys' schedules. They are very, very busy this time of year, and my priority uh, is going to be to make sure that I work in around their schedules while still getting you the content that you want. So uh, I appreciate you guys for jumping in on the bandwagon early here on Hey Fighting Podcast. I'm excited about the evolution of this thing. I'm excited to see where it goes. I have a lot of ideas and uh, a lot of things that I want to tell and a lot of stories that I want to tell. So I'm really excited about that, and uh, I'm really fired up for this episode as well. So without further ado, let's throw to my interview with Jacob Hester, where we preview the start of fall camp, and then we will get to the interviews with Lloyd and Caleb on. Run up the store, make Mike the tiger, stand right up and roar. Give it all your mind and your fight. I'm sitting here with uh, Jacob Hester, former LSU running back, host of uh, Hanging with Hester on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge here in town. And there's plenty to talk about today, Jacob. Uh, First of all, congratulations of the many accomplishments in your career. Being the first guest on Hey Fightin' Podcast has to rank well up there. I know it's towards the top. It's probably the greatest achievement I've ever had in my career, just getting next to Cody Warsham for 20 minutes in my life. It's not something that everybody gets to do. It's not, and uh, you know, you should feel very honored. My first memory of you um, is actually the, the Florida game in 07 because I was in the stands for that game. And if you'd have told me then, what what is that, 12 years ago now, one day you're going to be sitting next to that guy that's running over people and doing a podcast, um, that would have been a little bit of a weird realization then. But now, like, I don't really know you anymore as the football player. Like, I know you as Jacob Hester, so it's kind of hard to, like, um, piece those two pictures of you together. No, that that's a good thing because anytime you transition into your second career, you want to be known for what you're doing currently. And so I guess that's a good thing No, because I can't run over anybody anymore. I hope you don't think that's part of this podcast because like, I'm like 205 soaking wet now, and so there's no chance I'm running over anybody. Kevin Falk just walked by. I think he could probably still run over a couple people. He uh, Well, he can like, make a miss. I never had that talent. Yeah. That wasn't in my repertoire. <laughs> you, you didn't even try. You said, I'm not going to get around you. I'm going to go through. All right. um, Speaking of 18s, uh, last night it came out, it was announced by the program that LSU uh, has its two new number 18s. So that's one of the first surprises that there's two guys again. This is the second time in three years that they've done that. Um, I think it's also surprising the guys that they pick, not necessarily a reflection on those guys, but maybe more of a reflection on our perceptions of 18 going into it. Um, First, Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, who is surprising because he's an offensive lineman and he's the first offensive lineman. Uh, and then second, Caleb on chase on, um, I think people inside the program, that's not necessarily a surprise to, but outside the program, if you'd have looked at the message boards and Twitter and all the people saying, Oh, this is my guess on who's going to be 18. I don't think Caleb name popped up hardly at all. So, you know, you're part of this process. You're one of the very, very first, uh, in this tradition and this, uh, in this brotherhood of 18s. Just kind of walk me through it from your perspective, how the process went this year and um, what what ultimately landed these two guys as number 18. Well, I know for Caleb Vaughn, like you mentioned, people outside the building might not realize just how important he was to this team a year ago. Uh, He's a guy that obviously got hurt in the first game against Miami, but he was the guy that we were talking about all preseason long, maybe being the best defensive player on this team with Devin White, right? It was was 1A and 1B. Then he gets hurt in the Miami game. But look, a lot of times when guys get hurt, they disappear. They go away. They're not around the program for whatever reason. You know, um, injuries are tough. They're tough to go through. You can become bitter. You can become mad that your teammates are out there and you're not out there. And Caleb Vaughn was never that way. 
and I kind of saw that from afar, being able to travel with the team like you do. And week in, week out, game in, game out, he was always there. He was the biggest cheerleader. And look, look, you don't typically get that from guys who are like Caleb Vaughn. I mean, Caleb Vaughn is a stud football player, right? He could have gone, rehabbed, went away from the team, worried about himself, but he was worried about the team. And so that was something that always stuck in the back of my head, you know, talking with Greg Stringfeld, Jack Marucci, who also have a big input and who wears number 18. I mean, that's a name that kind of just kept coming up over and over again. And, yeah, it was probably a surprise to some people because he is a redshirt sophomore. You know, most of the time it's uh, usually a senior. Sometimes you'll get a junior like a Lloyd Cushenberry, like a Tredavious White those type of guys and so he's the first sophomore right I, I believe so yeah I believe I know now, he's a third year he's a third guy, year guy but still look last year he redshirted and uh yeah first sophomore to do it he's a playmaker I'm so excited to see what he can do on the field and that's a guy that nobody's talking about look I, I went to SEC media days and I did the whole radio row and uh you know did the whole SEC network stuff and everybody wants to talk about other players on this football team and I understand that like Grant Delpit in my opinion is the best defensive player in the country you should talk about Grant Delpit but nobody's talking about Caleb Vaughn. And let's not forget, going back to it, that's the guy we talked about last year yeah. all preseason long. And it's almost like you're in the NFL and you're getting a free agent. It's, you know who is talking about Caleb Vaughn is Ed Orgeron. Uh, I think it was at the Rotary Club this week where he said, and look, one of the things I love about Coach O, he's not afraid to put expectations on guys right. publicly. And he didn't just say, look, we're expecting a good season out of Caleb Vaughn or he could be a guy that gets a bunch of sacks. He called him a 12-15 to 15 sack kind of guy. Now, if he gets 10, I think everyone listening would be happy. If he gets 12 or 15, I mean, you're talking about an elite defensive player. Well, look, LSU last year was trying to find ways to get a rush on the quarterback after Caleb Vaughn went down because they were counting on him so much. And you got to give credit to Dave Rand and the staff because they got very cre- – I mean, Super look, creative. I mean, Delpit, Stevens, off the edge, guys that played the safety position. You were moving guys around. And Michael Divinity came on last year. But now you get a guy that – from day one, you expect him to get 10 sacks. I mean, I think that's realistic, just watching him and watching him in his rehab, talking with Jack Marucci, talking about the speeds that he's already getting and some of the drills they're doing. Yep. And so I think that that expectation level is extremely high, but it's a guy that I think can get that that point. I think 12, 15 sacks is, is lofty. I mean, you're setting records at LSU sure. if you get that, but that's the kind of level they're expecting from him. It's not quite Arden Key levels where I think Arden predicted – uh, a couple seasons ago that he was going to get 20. Yeah. And, then, and then he started off the season on that pace for a couple of games. But Caleb Vaughn is that kind of talent. Um, Lloyd is a guy who I think – I actually heard his name pop up a few times as people are kind of trying to predict. Um, the, the workaround is interesting because obviously – Traditionally, number eighteen and offensive line can't wear that. Uh, offensive linemen can't wear that number um, just for eligibility standards on the field. Um, but the workaround with the patch, I think, is is really um, is really clever, and I think it's really fitting because I think Lloyd embodies the eighteen in the traditional aspect that we think of it. The guy who is the team leader, the character guy. His story is great. We're going to talk to him and Calevon later um, this afternoon, but. I think he fits that mold as just the the guy who gets it done and, and leads by example. Look, for me, I mean, there's been so many offensive linemen that have been worthy to wear number 18 and, and been talked about, and you never really figured out, you know, how do we do it? Do we do we do a patch? We know we can't get a waiver from the NCAA because that's the one position that has to yeah. wear a certain number. And so, you know, guys like Ethan Posick, I mean, that was a guy who his name came sure. up back when he was playing at LSU. Uh, T-Bob Bear and Willie Blackwell <laughs> both gave me a hard time forever <laughs> because there was never an offensive lineman. I was and, waiting to slip a T-Bob joke in there, but you <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, 
Lloyd was a name that I heard as well, right? And, and having conversations with people around the building about who could possibly wear it. And I didn't really know Lloyd great. And he's a shy guy. He, yeah, he's not he a is. guy that, that is a big hoop and holler guy. But I had a chance to walk around with him at SEC Media Days. Uh, LSU was obviously there, and I was there uh, with them. And, and they said, hey, can you walk Lloyd around? I was like, absolutely. I'll get a chance to know him a little bit because I know he's up for 18. And I couldn't. Oh, like a little job interview. Yeah, right. He didn't know it, though. That's, that's the best part. Like, I these guys it. – don't know, and I can talk about that a little bit later. But I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll get a chance to know him. And, man, I mean, I could not think of a better guy to wear. I mean, the guy was so humble. The guy is an LSU historian, too. And to me, that meant something. Yeah. He talked about, you know, 2007, the football team, you know, playing Ohio State. And he remembered plays from the game and the Florida game, like you yes. mentioned. Like, he knew all those things. And to me – Look, that's impressive because let's face it, Cody, we're old, right? And so these guys, <laughs> these guys typically don't see us live in action. They've seen it on film. Yeah. But Lloyd was the guy who saw it live in person, and I was blown away by him at SEC Media Day. I walked away saying, I hope he gets number eighteen. I hope somehow, some way, he gets to be a part of this club. And credit Greg Stringfell and his staff for, you know, being unique and finding this way to put this patch on the jersey that doesn't take away yep. from LSU. It doesn't say, hey, look at me, but it shows you the 18, and it's, it's simple, it's clean, I love it, and uh, I'm trying to get a T-shirt made now. Yeah, I would. Uh, can we get I would, that done? Yeah, I would say I would buy that T-shirt, but I'm going to try to get it for free first if I can. <laughs> and uh, if not, then I will buy it. Um, you, I'm glad you mentioned the thing about Lloyd and, and his recall of plays. I remember talking to Joe Burrow last year, and – I think we were asking him questions about Garrett Brumfield coming back, and you know Joe was happy to answer those questions. But he was like, he was like, "Look, don't get ahead of yourself. Like, getting Garrett back is important, but don't sleep on Lloyd Cushenberry. Like, he has been so important for us this year." And he mentioned his recall of plays. He said he's just a football genius. He remembers the most minute details from a spring practice snap against you know the backups, or um, like you mentioned, plays that he watched when he was watching as a spectator. So I think Lloyd's IQ. His um, the, the the impact that he has on the team inside the locker room. He was such a steadying force last year, as that offensive line had to battle injuries and and shifting around. And he was a guy that you know, kind of a, an underdog story. He signed with LSU at the last second. I think he was a, a signing day flip. Yeah. Um, he was a a guy that coming into last year, everyone was saying, "Oh, Brumfield's going to move to center, and, and they're going to kick Cushionberry out because he's not good enough." And then he was like one of the top five centers in the country. If you look at every statistical measure, he was fantastic. So I love that aspect of his story too. That's one of my favorite parts. And LSU has had so much success in the last decade. That last signee, that last guy, the Debo Jones, the Duke Riley, the Foster Moreau. Yep. I mean, Cushionberry now. I mean. What a stat. I mean, you could even throw Jefferson in there a little bit. I know yeah. he came in the middle of the summer, and it was one of those deals where he was the last guy here. And they've For had sure. a lot of success with those guys. And Lloyd's story is uh, its really good. I mean, 11th hour offer. You come to LSU. Everybody's trying to push you out of your starting position. Like you mentioned, everybody's thinking, oh, can this guy slide to guard? We got three really good guards. We need a center, though. And everybody, you know, Will Clapp, who's a great player, moves on to the NFL, and everybody's hating on Lloyd. Nobody's talking about Lloyd except in this building, the yep. people who knew. And, you know, some of the outside noise, uh, you know, started to creep in, you felt like, and they are like, no, wait a minute, Lloyd's our guy. Lloyd is maybe the most important piece on our offensive line. And you heard that, and you're thinking, okay, well, all I heard was this guy's going to get replaced. And he goes out there, and you mentioned it, top five center in the country, in my opinion. Uh, Cole Kublik, who's a uh, former Auburn player, does a great job in the media now. 
he came out with his list, and when he put him as the one of the best centers in the SEC, I said, okay, this even further lets me know where Lloyd is right now. I, I respect Cole's opinion 100%, and he's starting to get all the eyeballs. Everybody's starting to realize how good Lloyd Cushenberry is. And, you know, through that entire process, you know, moving players to different positions, pushing Lloyd out, the one guy we never heard from was Lloyd Cushenberry because all he did was put his head down, go to work, and he knew what he was uh, going to bring to this football team, and he did it. And you heard Joe Burrow throughout the entire preseason last year kind of say, hey, like you mentioned, wait a minute, Lloyd Cushenberry's here and he's here to stay. Yeah, Lloyd is a, a doer. He's not a talker, um, although he's going to have to start talking. So, Caleb, okay, <laughs> now that they have 18, they're the uh, the spokesman of the team. So that's a, that's a role that they're going to have to adjust to. But I think it's a role that they'll thrive in because they're both uh, intelligent guys and they have uh, interesting things to say. Um, one last 18 question before we start previewing fall camp because I do want to spend a little time and look at some of the storylines that will be um, our focus uh, during fall camp. You, you mentioned it there, talking about following Lloyd around. But as a, as a former number 18 um, that fraternity of guys that, that is involved with this process. What, what is that like? Just give us a look behind the curtain of um, the selection process, the conversations that you have, um, the things that you're looking for, just that, that, that little peek behind the curtain that maybe um, people who have their opinions and, and don't really understand the, the whole process. Right. Let, them, let them know what that's like. Well, it's kind of evolved, and I hate to keep – you know, talking about, you know, back in the day, but we didn't have, you know, a way to really communicate as well. And now you've got these group chats and you've got, you know, FaceTime in different ways so you can keep up with one another and you can also keep up with the team. And uh, throughout the year now, I mean, we talk. We talk about, you know, guys that it could possibly be. If we're watching a game, hey, do you see that play? That might be a guy next year that we could see wearing that number. And, you know, last year, Foster. Like, every time Foster made a play, I mean, we would, we would talk about it. When Foster Morrow got drafted uh, to the Oakland Raiders, I wish it was any other team but the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> but, unfortunately, it was the Oakland, Ra o Oakland Raiders. But, no, I mean, we were so excited for him. I mean, yeah. the text message thread starts blowing up, and it's really become a fraternity. And, and when it started, you know, you didn't have all these ways to communicate like you do now. And so now it's even more special to me, the fact that we can keep up with each other. I mean, you're talking about, you know, texting throughout this group chat. I mean, weekly, where it used to be. We'd see each other like once a year, and we'd try to have that conversation. And so it's really evolved. I'm uh, extremely blessed to be a part of it. And, you know, about 10 to 15 days ago, I think it was Brandon Taylor kind of threw it out there. All right, we're being kind of quiet. Who's getting 18 this year? And then it just started, right? And guys yeah. are saying, what about this guy, that guy, and the other guy? And the guys who aren't able to be around the program as much, you know, Matt Mock lives in Denver. He's the team dentist out there for the Broncos. And so he's not able to be here as much. And so he'll kind of lean on us for some inside information to uh, some different guys. And it's really fun to be a part of. It's something that, uh, look, at LSU, they don't just retire jersey numbers. Like, that's not a thing. And so to be able to be a part of something special like this and in that jersey and, and what the number 18 means to Louisiana, to me, that's the greatest honor. Like, I, I don't I don't care if the jersey's ever in the rafters for any of the guys. And that's that's one of the things that we always talk about. We love the fact that this thing gets to just grow each and every year. And I hope Caleb Vaughn and Lloyd are the best 18s to ever do it. And I hope the next year after that, those guys, you know, bypass Caleb Vaughn and Lloyd, what they did. I want the standard just to keep going up and up. And I'll tell you, it pains me to say, because I hope Foster doesn't listen, but he set a pretty <laughs> high standard last year. My man went out there, and, man, I love messing with Foster, but he did a hell of a job last year wearing number 18, and he's uh, left some big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill, both as a leader and as a tight end. So we'll, let's go ahead and take that opportunity to transition 
to some of the uh, the camp preview stuff because one of the things that I want to talk about, and this is something that Ed Orgeron talked about yesterday in his camp opening press conference, are some of the position battles um, that, that we're going to see play out throughout the spring. Before we talk about that, I want to just kind of talk big picture, and I have three things that I want to talk about big picture. The first is what Ed Orgeron said yesterday about the focus of camp. But the focus on camp is going to be the line of scrimmage. And getting better at the line of scrimmage. Line of scrimmage discipline. Eliminate pre-snap penalties, uh, pass protection, run blocking. And uh, we got to develop a great offensive line. I know Coach Craig is ready to do that. On defense, we have a lot of talent. We've got a lot of speed. We've got to figure out a way to make tackles in the backfield and sacks. We want to be more aggressive in the things that we do, changing up some stuff that we do up front, some coverages. We think it's going to be exciting. The focus of camp is going to be the line of scrimmage. And I think anyone that watched this team last year, anyone that's watched this team over the last couple years especially, understands exactly what he means by that. We're at a spot where two years ago, going into camp, they were playing walk-ons on the second team line. They just didn't have enough bodies. The program has done a very, very good job now of recruiting guys, and they have depth. And now it's about that depth competing with each other uh, on both sides, on the offensive line and the defensive line, to bring out the best of, of everybody and to make sure that you know going into the season, these guys are going to get the job done both on offense and defense. So if you would, let's just kind of start there. And, and we don't really have to talk about the position battles necessarily, but from a, a player's perspective as you go into camp and that's the focus, um, what does that bring out in guys when you know, hey, this is not going to be we're running routes and we're you know playing catch. There's going to be obviously some work on that aspect of the game. But this can be. it sounds like it's going to be a physical camp where the men are separated from each other. I'll kind of start with the offensive line. And I love the way Coach O pushes his players and he challenges his players. And you mentioned, you know, he spoke earlier this week when camp opened up. And, look, he talked about the offensive line. He said the left guard position is wide open. And I love that because you don't get comfortable. If you were a guy who's in that position battle and you thought maybe you had a leg up or you didn't have a leg up and you were in the bottom of that competition, he said, no, it's wide open. I mean, we're wanting guys to step up. And we saw guys at that position step up last year. I mean, Chasen Hines is a guy that came here as a defensive lineman. Now, I know he was a great offensive lineman in Marshall, Texas in high school, but he stepped in against Georgia, the number two team in the country at the time and played really well. And he's going to be in that position battle. Uh, Austin Daculus is coming back for his third year. And Coach O said he's a starter and we want him to improve each and every day. He's going to get better. He's got to get better. And I love that because if I'm Austin, I hear that. And I know my coach is behind me. And I know he's not out there in the media, you know, talking bad about me. No, he's saying, hey, Austin, you're a starter. This is your third year. Continue to get better. Have a great training camp and be the player that you know you can be. And it's one of the, you know, my favorite things about Coach O, like you mentioned, he's open. He's going to be open about these competitions. He, uh, look, he's talked about Sadiq Charles, you know, coming back from injury, stepping up, having another uh, year like he had his freshman year in, in times last year as a sophomore. And so you got to get him healthy. And so the offensive line to me, it's very intriguing because you've got guys who have the opportunity to step up and hush a lot of people. One of the other things I think we're going to be keeping an eye on in camp is this new offense. That was more of the, the spring chatter as Joe Brady comes in as the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator, as Steve Insminger moves into year number two. And then you get that continuity with the coordinator and the quarterback, which hasn't happened a lot at LSU when you look at just the having the same coordinator and quarterback in the same year. I didn't research this before. I should have, and I'll go back and correct it later if I'm wrong. Is this the first time since 2011 or 2010 that they brought back the quarterback and the coordinator in the same season um, with with, Joe, with Jordan Jefferson? I feel like they have 12 and 13. You had Met and and, and Cam there. Yep, you're right. Um, but I'll or was you, 13 Cam's first year? Because I think 12 may have been Stadrala. You know, Cody. 
we'll have to fact check ourselves. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Even, uh, we'll let the listeners do that. Let's outsource yeah. that and just keep talking. But e- even outside of that, I mean, this is really the first time in, in a long time, and, and I'll argue since 2006 that you've got a quarterback coming back with confidence. Yep. Because let's not forget the Mets show in, in 12 didn't have the year that he had in 13. Now in 13, down, yeah. he was one of the best in the conference and had a really nice season. And, you know, 07, you had Matt. Matt was uh, the first year Flynn was starting. And then you go, um, you know, a bunch of guys really in 08. And then you go Jefferson, who was a young guy and, you know, kind of in and out as well. And so this is the first time since, you know, 2006, you've got a guy that you know 100%. There's no competition. This is his team. He's going to lead this team. And that goes a long way. Look, as a former player, like when you know who your signal caller is going to be, it's a good thing. And in the NFL, like, look, they pay those guys franchise money. You know they're going to be under center, and it just helps you. It helps your chemistry because the last thing you want is to hear seven different voices in the huddle in training camp when you're trying to get ready. Last year when you had the quarterback battle, I mean, there was four guys, and their voices were trying to be heard. Everybody calls a play a little bit different, and yep. that seems like such a small thing. But, look, I've had every accent you can imagine. I've had Jamarcus <laughs> from Mobile. I've had Flynn with his twangy Texas stuff. I've had Philip Philip Rivers with his Alabama twang. I mean, I've had Peyton Manning. I've, I've had them all, and it sounds like something that's so small, but everybody calls a play different. I can remember in San Diego, Philip called a play one time, and – my man's got an accent. Y'all all know that. And there was a guy we had from Oregon, and he's like, what did he just say? <laughs> and I'm having to break down. Okay, no, this is what he said. Here's what it yeah. – so small things like that matter, and you don't have to worry about this year. Look, you've got Joe. Miles is coming back yet again. Everybody knows the voices. Everybody knows who's in charge. And everybody also has a faith in the backup this year. You know who the backup's going to be, and Miles is healthy. So that goes a long way for me. I, I love the, the, the huddle conversation, the having one voice in the huddle um, and you have a voice in Joe Burrow who brings so much confidence to that huddle. I remember the story, I think Lloyd told this at SEC Media Days, about it was the Auburn game, and I think it was either third and seven or fourth and seven. And this is still when Joe was just trying to get comfortable and know these guys. And he just walks up and like, hey, guys, what's going on? Like, <laughs> big play here, I guess. You know, just yeah. the, the the tone that he brought to the huddle, it felt like set the tone for the play. And if you go back and watch that Auburn game, the confidence that that offense played with on that drive was unbelievable. So obviously the time, the continuity, um, the the new looks that Joe Brady brings to the table. Um, the, the last thing that I'm kind of looking for from a storyline perspective is just how do you arrange all these chips defensively? You, you lose Devin White, you lose Greedy Williams, but you have all this talent and you have – almost this this it's complementary talent and it's overlapping talent and it's guys that can do a lot of different things and so if I'm Dave Aranda it's almost like a I know for him it is it's a fun challenge of figuring out okay I've got like 15 or 16 guys that could really be starters Um, how do I get them on the field how do I get certain guys together what personnel groupings do I use that's gonna be one of the fun things about camp for me is just seeing how we utilize all these pieces three front four front nickel, quarter, all these packages that they can use. It's going to be fun to see how he sort of sorts through that. I think Dave is the best in the country at, at finding out, you know, which personnel against which offense. And you're going to see it change. I mean, you're going to see it change game in and game out. Opening the season, you're playing a triple option team. And I can guarantee you that when you play Texas, it will not look the same defensively. I mean, you're going to have different guys. And so when you're playing a triple option team, obviously, look, that's something that you've got to work on because – it's not an offense that anybody runs anymore. I mean, used to. Shout back out to Parkview Baptist. Everybody, everybody used to run it. Look, I'll, I'll tell a high school story like you just did. In high school at Evangel, we were the first team to run five wides. I think that's why we were so dominant yeah. because nobody had seen it. Everybody else was running the option. Well, now that's flipped, and so you have to prepare for the option. Were you one of those five wides? Is that what you're implying? Yeah, no doubt about it, right? <laughs> right there in the slot, a little chubby. 
slow guy. So, but that's the difference. And so these offenses, as they change, as they evolve, like Mississippi State last year, that that's an offense that came in and and they were a little lost and. Uh, Dave really had them lost, and, yep. and they couldn't do anything. And uh, the, when the quarterback dropped back, he was either going to run it or throw an interception. And, and that's uh, credit to Dave because he had a game plan ready to go for everything that Mississippi State brought in here. And so I'm excited to see how it evolves, how it changes game in and mm -hmm. game out. And, you know, it's going to be different against Texas, against Alabama, against Ole Miss. Every week I think the defense is going to be a little bit different personnel-wise. Now there's two or three guys, obviously, that are never going to come off the field. But outside of that, I can see a ton of rotation. Okay, let's, uh, let's just quickly talk position battles because there's four specific spots that I want to talk about. We could throw in a fifth at the end, but th th there's four that I really want to focus on, and we'll just do it as quickly as we can. Um, the first spot is, and I'm, I'm just going in kind of a random order here, uh, the running back spot. And right now I'll play a clip of Ed Orgeron talking about all of these position battles first, and then we'll come back, and me and Jacob will kind of break it down. And Nolsack, Apuaika, and Tyler Shelvin. Let's see, let's see who's in best condition. Uh, we went over it this morning that Tyler's 343. That's the lightest he's been. Uh, Tommy Moffitt feels that Tyler's in the best shape he's been. Uh, Apu's at 353. He's in good shape. That is going to be a battle. You know, you have Glenn Logan. You have Rashard Lawrence. You have Braden Fajoko. Who's going to start out of those three when we go to four-man line inside? That'll be a big battle. There'll be a big battle on the green team. Who's going to be our four best rushers? It'll be a big battle at tailback. Who's going to be our best tailback? Who's going to be number two, number three? Uh, big battle at offensive line. Who's going to be our left guard? Well, that's wide open. It's a lot of battles. All right, so the running back spot is the first one that I want to start with. And you bring back Clyde edwards Elair, who I think is, one, really underrated, and two, perfect for this offense. And this, I just love the way they threw, threw him the ball in the spring game, just that quick check down. And actually, they weren't really checking down to him early in that spring game. They were going to him and getting that first five or six yards to get you ahead of the chains. Um, then you bring in two freshmen that have a lot of hype and, and um, a lot of acclaim in John Emery and Tyrion Davis-Price, who Ed Orgeron has raved about, um, both of them this offseason. And then you bring back two guys who can play very specific roles. Leonard Fournette has been very versatile for you. And then Chris Curry, I think we've all seen what he can do, especially in the spring game as a power runner between the tackles. So how do you see this position battle breaking down? What do you see as the roles these guys play? Look, I've always said, and I feel like I'm talking bad about my own position, but it's the one that four freshmen can come in and play from day one because I truly believe it's the easiest to kind of adapt to. Uh, I've always said I think you're either born to run the football or you're not. So you can come in and make an impact as a freshman. And so I think the, the two freshmen will make an impact. But I love how you said Clyde Edwards-Elair was underrated because he might be the most underrated player on this football team. He's a guy – I mean, go back and watch the Georgia game. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was times he took over the Georgia game a year ago. He can do so many different things. He's perfect for this offense, like you mentioned, and he's a guy that can bring that leadership, that veteran presence, because LSU's going to play multiple backs. I mean, yep. there's no doubt about that. Lenard, we've seen what he's able to do in the passing game. I don't know if you've seen Chris Curry, but he's been in the weight room. Looks good. I don't know if you've seen no, I saw him yesterday in a wife beater. I mean, he looked, he looked like – he looks – he came in big last year. He's a big back, but he looks – Cut. I mean, so you can see I'm, definition. I'm walking by Tommy Moff, and I said, "Was that was that what I was supposed to look like when I came here at the same position?" <laughs> no, that's what you. Look like. that's what you still look like him. And so I'm expecting big things from him. Yeah. Like you mentioned, the spring football game. I mean, he converted on all his fourth and short, his red zone opportunities. And so, in my opinion, 
LSU is always at its best when it has running back by committee. Yep. Just look at 2003, 2007, 2011, when they've played in national championship games. Those teams all had running back by committee because what that allows you to do, if you have the right group. Now, Cody, you know this. You've played sports at a high level. You have to have the right group that says, you know what, I don't care if he gets the credit. I don't care if he gets the touchdown. I don't care if he gets the catches. It's all about, okay, we've got these five, four or five guys, whatever that number is. He does this well. I do this well. He does that well. Let's all go do that together, become one, and really thrive here. And I think you've got that kind of group. And, uh, look, 2007, man, running backs, we used to eat together every Thursday night. We used to talk about game plans on Thursday night. Hey, Keelan, this is what you're going to do well. Hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what Charles Scott's going to do. And if you have that chemistry, you have that rapport, you can go a long way. And it's shown in LSU's history that it's a recipe for success. Okay, another spot that's uh, up for grabs, left guard. Um, you mentioned Chase and Hines earlier in the show. You have Cardell Thomas, a true freshman who could play there. You have Adrian McGee, a guy that's yeah. been kind of that, that versatile offensive lineman for LSU that can play there. Um, who, who do you th- Well, I don't want to say who do you think because they haven't actually practiced yet right. as we're talking. What do you think whoever wins this job is going to have to do to win the job? What are they going to have to do to set themselves apart? Look, I know for me, and I know the offense is, is changing a little bit, but still, you got to have some nasty guards, man. I love to see a guard that, when you're pulling on a power, I mean, he's pulling for a purpose. And let's and let's let's say real quick, just because you're going to have these four and five receiver sets, I mean, look, you're still going to run power. You're still going to run zones. You're still going to run stretches, counters, all those things that you've typically done. It's just a different way. Yep to get to them. And so you can run all those plays out of shotgun, out of pistol, out of the different formations. But for the offensive line, it's still the same blocking scheme. It's still be nasty, kick out the linebacker, kick out the defensive end, whatever that might be. And so for me, man, if I'm looking for the offensive guard, I'm just looking for a mean, tough son of a gun because you've got guys, you know, in Sadiq Charles, who's played a lot of football, Lloyd Cushenberry, who obviously we've talked about a lot on this podcast. And so the smarter you have on either side of you allows you to be a little bit of a younger player because those guys are going to help you out. So Chase is still a young player just because he played a little bit last year, so that's going to help him. If it's Cardell, that's obviously going to help him as a freshman. Even McGee, he's a tackle who's played some guard. So if he's kicking down to a guard and doing something new, he's going to have those two guys. But for me, man, I just want to see my guards just be completely nasty. Yep, let's say in the trenches, uh, nose tackle is going to be up for grabs. Tyler Shelvin, a little more experience. Apu Aika had a very, very good spring. And, and at times work with the ones during the offseason. Same thing. I mean, are you looking for nastiness there? I, I know they're going to they're gonna use that guy differently this year. Um, they're going to do some three-man fronts where they shade that nose guard to one side or the other instead of just playing him over the top of the center. Uh, Ed Orsron said yesterday they're going to be more aggressive with those guys. Instead of reading the offense as much, they're going to attack a little bit more from those spots. Um, th- again, this is another position that one of those guys is going to win the starting job at some point. Both of them are going to play. Yeah. They're going to play a lot. Right. Yeah, both those guys are going to play. Look, that's, you know, the defensive line, especially that position at the nose tackle, probably rotates more than any other position on the field. So you got to have multiple guys. But if you've got one of those guys, especially in a 3 4 defense that can be disruptive, that might be the most important position. Because if you're pushing the pocket, if you're making the quarterback uncomfortable, well, he can't step up in the pocket. And if Caleb Vaughn and those guys on the edge are doing their job, then there's nowhere to go, and it all starts in the middle. If you're pushing the pocket back on a run play, well, the running back, if you're in his lap when he's getting the handoff, trust me, that, hard. that is very <laughs> disruptive, and you have nothing to do. And I'll argue that that might be a position that, that LSU right now with those two guys is going to be as good as as a lot of teams in this conference. And everybody's assuming, 
oh, the, the young guys, they haven't played a lot. Look, no, Tyler Shelvin's worked his butt off to drop weight. Apu Ike, since he's been here, has worked his butt off and dropped weight. And the way they're doing it, the way they're shading the nose guard this year, I'd argue that they're going to be one of the best combos in the conference. Last spot that I wanted to touch on was the linebacker spot next to Michael Divinity. Michael Divinity moves inside, and Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen are battling for that spot next to him. And again, th- this is going to be a spot where both guys are going to play. Um, systemically or systematically, you're going to play – you know, at times, two linebackers, one linebacker when they're going into the green team and they're putting a bunch of pass rushers out there, um, three linebackers. I mean, they're going to – Dave Aranda's going to be very multiple with that. But those two guys are right now battling for that spot. Um, Phillips obviously played a ton last year next to Devin White. Patrick Queen played a little bit on the outside last year toward the end of the year. Uh, certainly could play on the inside as well. What do you see from those two guys? I'd argue that this might be the deepest position group on the team. I mean, when you really look at it, I mean, Baskerville's the guy we haven't mentioned. Clark's the guy we haven't mentioned. Yep. There's so many guys. I mean, you moved Divinity, who at the end of last year was one of your better defenders, to a stack linebacker position. I mean, there's so many choices. And, again, all these guys are going to play. And I'm curious how Dave uses yep. uh, all these guys. I mean, because Patrick Queens, he has played outside. He has done multiple things. In the Fiesta Bowl, he showed up maybe more than anybody. And, uh, you know, Jacob Phillips, when he missed the Florida game, I mean, that was impactful. For I sure. Mean, I think we all noticed that. And so, yeah, you're replacing one of the best defensive players in school history. Yeah, that guy's pretty good. Maybe, that guy's pretty good. Maybe the best, right, overall guy. And so, obviously, you know, it's going to be difficult. But you've got a lot of talented guys that have that, that opportunity to do it. And so I would assume, look, you don't move Michael Divinity to a inside linebacker position without him playing a ton. So he's going to be that off linebacker. And now it's about a competition, Jacob Phillips and Patrick Queen at the Mike linebacker position. And look, I mean, Jacob Phillips was, was a guy that got all conference preseason honors and he's in a position battle. I mean, that tells you kind of the depth of LSU right now. And so look, I, again, you, you never want to say a name before they go out there and practice. I'm very, very intrigued and curious how Michael Divinity works out at an inside linebacker position. I guess we'll find out here pretty soon. Another spot where look how far LSU's come. Was it when Ed Orgeron first got the job and he sat down with Dave Aranda and Dave Aranda said, hey, we have more scholarship kickers right now than we do inside linebackers. I need some guys there. And now all of a sudden um, LSU's absolutely stacked at that position, no pun intended. All right, Jacob, I think I've taken up enough of your time for today. We covered quite a bit. So I'm going to let you go. Uh, hopefully in a few minutes here, I'm going to sit down with the two new number 18s and, uh, and we'll pick their brain on what it's like to be part of the fraternity. But uh, good to talk with you as always. This won't be uh, the last time you're on the show, but it was the first time, so I enjoyed it. I appreciate being the first guest. Like I said, I mean, maybe the biggest honor of my career, getting to sit here in the recruiting lounge. By the it's, way, there's, it's like, big time. You're big time there's like 97 rooms in this building, and you yeah. said recruiting lounge for this podcast, and I was walking around, and I've been in this <laughs> building like 35 times already. This room is actually really nice. Like, I wish we could use it every single time. The, the whole time we've been talking, there's been highlights up on the screen. Uh, it's a beautiful room. It's a beautiful facility. Uh, I think next time, though, we will be in the media room downstairs. I think they had to run some cables today. So uh, next time, the, the view may not be as good, but hopefully the conversation is as good. Thanks, Jacob. Always. All right, here with uh, the first of our two number 18s, Lloyd Cushenberry. Lloyd, we were talking about it on the on the walk over here, but um, and I talked about this with Jacob earlier. But for as long as they've been doing this tradition, it seemed like it was discriminatory against offensive linemen because they can't wear 18. And so I have to imagine for you, it was a little surprising to get that honor thinking, you know, I can't wear 18 on the game, but they came up with this patch idea. Just tell me your reaction when you found out the news. It was definitely a surprise. Uh it's plenty of guys who on on the team that could have you know 
quickly that could wear the number, but uh, just for them to choose me, man, it, I was definitely shocked when he said my name. I didn't know how to react. It took me a while to really stand up, but uh, and it's, it was definitely a shock to me. What what order did they announce it in? Do they say both y'all at the same time, or do they say Caleb on first? Or? Uh, as he said, he said me first. Okay. And uh, once he said uh, for the first time ever, I, that's when I realized, all right, this wow, this really <laughs> yeah, you had to a say chance. my name. And he pulled the jersey out, and I was it was just a complete shock. I couldn't, I didn't know what to think. So, what does the number mean to you? Uh, one of the things that Jacob mentioned when I was talking to him earlier is that you're a LSU historian. Like yeah. you know the history of the program. So, exactly. what, what does the number mean to you? It means a lot. Uh, <laughs> There's Kayvon yelling in the background, by the way, <laughs> for his photo shoot. Like I always say, like I remember, I really fell in love with the game around like 2007, 2006, that that era, and just watching Jacob Hester every weekend, and that 2017, man, and just all the 18s after that is. An honor to be, you know, in the in the same, you know, situation as, as those guys. So it's it's amazing. It's, it means the world. You know, when I when I first got here, I couldn't even imagine this me being getting 18 one day, and just for me to get it now, it's 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 definitely a blessing. One of the things that I love about your story is that you were, you know, one of those guys that was. I think you were like a signing day flip. Yeah, exactly. um, maybe got your offer late in the process. Yeah. I mean, take me back to like that time when, yeah. you know, it was you got that you don't know going into signing day. I think you were commit. I don't remember where you're committed. You're committed somewhere else, but then you get the LSU offer and you grew up like you said an LSU yeah. fan. Just to go from there to where you are now. Yeah, uh, like you said, I got the offer two days before signing day, and uh, you know when I got the offer, I was planning on going somewhere else. But once LSU uh, called, you know I couldn't pass up on it. I live 20 minutes away. Um, I always watched LSU. And I couldn't pass up on the opportunity for my family to watch me every weekend, me me to be able to go home whenever I want. It was just it was a no-brainer to me. But it was a tough decision. But I, I'm glad I made the the right decision for sure. Um, you, you you mentioned um, growing up just down the road. I mean, and and we talked about it earlier. You being kind of a historian of the program. What do you remember just about being an LSU fan as a young kid? Like, what are the first teams you remember? That 07 team probably sticks out in your mind. 07 team. Uh, I remember watching them every every Saturday after my little league football games, and seeing something that Early Doucette did, or or uh, Jacob Hester, or Keelan Williams did, and trying to go in the yard and try to try to do you know what I saw on TV. It's just. <laughs> All the like, I just always loved college football, loved the SEC, and like I, I can remember, man, my my brothers and cousins would get mad at me because I knew like everyone's name. <laughs> I knew like on the NCAA game, I would try to go on the roster and fix the name because they didn't have their real name. It's like I knew everything. I always I just fell in love with the game, and I, it's just still today. Like, I just love football. Hopefully they'll bring back NCAA so we can get some updated rosters as well. Man, we need get, that. You, get you in that 18. We need that. Uh, who's getting the 18 locker in the corner? Uh, it's actually two lockers, so me okay. and Caleb Vaughn right across from each other. Okay. So uh, right in the corner, we locker mates. So it should be should be fun. <laughs> what do you know about just the the role that you now take with 18? Because you've been a leader on this team, but um, you're I think from the outside looking in, you're more of a leader by example. Yeah. Now you've got that patch on your chest, and that means something. What, how does that change the way that you approach it? Uh, definitely, I have to step up more of a as a vocal leader. Um, you know, when, when things are going wrong, when things, you know, not looking looking so bright, you know, the team is going to look at to me and Caleb Vaughn to step up and say something. And uh, that's one thing, you know, I'm looking forward to and uh, something I've been working on since, you know, for the past years is trying to be more vocal leader. So I'm looking forward to the challenge of doing that. And uh, like I told the team, man, they can depend on me every day to give them everything I got. You know, I just ask the same from them. 
you're a guy that's so humble. You don't really like to talk about yourself very much. But brag on Caleb on a little bit. What did he do? How has he earned the right to, to wear that number 18 jersey? He's definitely earned it. Uh, he's a guy. He works every day. You know, he, when he got injured last last year, he was at every practice. You know, traveling with the team, watching individual, and uh, in the weight room. You know, we work we work out right across from each other. We're competing. He's talking noise. You know, him and Dre Anthony. We always going at it. He's trying to keep up the O line. But uh, he's he's a worker, man. He's like you know, like Coach Joe said, he's a future first rounder, and uh, he's definitely going to show that this year. People can't tell because this is an audio medium, but you're wearing the patch right now. I mean, just what did it feel like to put that on for the first time? It was, it was great, you know. It definitely look definitely looks good. Uh, it was special, man. Just seeing this and holding the jersey for the first time, it was, it was great. All right, Lloyd, good talking to you, man. Appreciate it. No So just tell me how you found out. I was just talking to Lloyd, so coach announced it in a team meeting. He announces Lloyd first, right? What are you thinking at that point? Like you're just thinking, oh, Lloyd's 18. Like are you expecting there to be another one? I definitely, that's exactly what I was thinking. I thought, you know, the previous year we had JD and we had Foster Murrow both represent 18, but those two guys, they both deserved it. And there was a battle head to toe, head to head to who deserved the 18. So I believe both of the guys deserved the 18. But I didn't think it was going to be a, a thing that ever happened again. So yeah. when Lloyd got out, I was like, oh, that's something expected. Like he, he very well deserved it. There was no, no controversy going on with that. But once I saw, once I heard him say two, I was confused. I was like, man, when he said we got something going on the defense, and I was like, I said, I was expecting someone else. I was expecting two, two other current teammates, and those guys who I think who I idolize after who do leadership roles are, are very high on my team on, on my side of the ball. But um, like I said, when he called my name, I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. I wasn't really, I wasn't thinking it was real. I mean, someone made a joke about it, but. It's just everyone knows I'm not. I'm a really low, mellow kind of guy. Yeah. It means I just do everything right by example, not really by voice. So to be recognized by it was a very special thing. I heard you weren't the only one surprised. Apparently, someone in your family just bought a bunch of number four jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So definitely, my grandmother asked me before the season, like, "Are you changing your number?" I said, "No, man, I'm not changing my number." And she called me last night. He's like, "Kevin, I thought you weren't changing your number." I was like, "I didn't know I was changing my number either." So we both surprised. So. Like she had to start all over again. Yeah, that's that's out of your control. Um, you, people can't tell because this is an audio medium, but you're wearing the jersey right now um, to come out here and take photos and video. Just what did it feel like to put that jersey on for the first time and kind of realize that you're wearing number 18? Uh, it, it de I definitely feel special. You know, it's a it's a significant feeling. You know, a very special feeling. But like I like I said said previously, it's not really about the number on my back. I'm represented to my fullest potential. But whether I have the number now, I'm gonna be me. I'm going to be a continuous to be the leader I am, and I'm going to lead by example, vocal as well. It's just the same way I had, the same way my approach was before I got the number, it be the same way my approach is now. I was talking to Hester and then also Lloyd just a second ago, and they said one of the things that stood out most about your leadership is the way that you were last year when, you know, you had every excuse not to show up, not to be engaged, not to be locked in, but you showed up every day despite your injury and gave it 100% and you were leading by example and then carried that over into this summer. Um, how important was that to you last year to know that, you know, look, I can't play. This is this sucks. I mean, let's be honest, this sucks. But I still have an impact and, and, and a role to play on this team. Very important, very important. And I, I really felt as far as I just I think it was more so on me 
And I just felt like I went, I really want to be a part of this team bad. You know what I'm saying? I really love football. I really love the game. I really love helping people out. I really do things to, you know, my pure intention is to help people, not really to get something out of it. So as much as I can, I try to help and try to be the person I am is be a leader. And I really, and like I said, I mean, the injury was an injury, but a lot of people come back from ACL. Yeah. So I wasn't really too worried about it. It's, I'm very fortunate that it was just that. And I haven't, I didn't go through anything. Um, spine related, like yeah. for instance, um, Ryan Shazier. So, for sure. I mean, at least I'm still able to play the, f the game of football again that I love. And I just want to keep the positive mindset and keep it moving. Last one for you. I don't want you to be late for the first team meeting that you're wearing number 18, so I'll get <laughs> you out of here real quick. Um, but just brag on Lloyd for a second. And, and when you heard his name called, um, knowing that he was going to have the patch, it was kind of surprising because there's never been an offensive lineman before. But what has he done to earn that and deserve that number in that patch? Lloyd, Lloyd, is a, Lloyd is a consistent worker. It's not really you don't really catch Lloyd having bad days. I mean, if it's if it's if he has a bad day dealing with plays of football, that's something that he he knows to manage and he still keeps a positive mindset. But you don't see Lloyd walking around here moping or anything upset or don't talk to me today because I'm not feeling. Lloyd is a consistent person, and from on and off the field, he's he's the same way. He's always positive. He's always encouraging. He's everything he do. He's gonna do it the best way he can, and that's something I feel like that deserves the number 18. All right, man, I see the equipment manager starting to set up for practice. Let's get you out of here so you can no, get to no. meet. Appreciate your time, bro. Thank you, thank you. Like nights of old, we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers. I said fight, fight.